It's Thursday, May 11th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. A good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, leaders on Capitol Hill said yesterday that they have growing evidence that Joe Biden and his family have engaged in acts of corruption and influence peddling. But is any of that true? Well, I'll share with you what we know, and then you can decide. Thinking about the facts not as a Republican or a Democrat, but rather as an investigator at the CIA. Second, all eyes, ladies and gentlemen, are on the southern U.S. border today as Title 42 expires. So we will explore one possible tool that is gaining traction as a way to penalize those employers who might be tempted to employ illegal migrants in the months to come. Third, I've got a health update for you all, a tip, if you will, especially for those folks who are at the age where colonoscopies are a, well, unhappy part of life. Research is showing how to avoid colon cancer, and I'm going to tell you all about it. Later, we close out the podcast, uh, well, with some news that you might hear some yelling around 11 a.m. Pacific time. And I'm going to tell you why that might be, but don't worry, it is very good news. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. Republicans in the House of Representatives uh, yesterday released a preliminary report on their findings of the foreign business dealings of the Biden family. Now, bank records in this 36-page report show that multiple members of the Biden family, nine of them actually, including grandchildren, received $10 million in payments while Joe Biden served as the vice president and in the years since. So those payments, folks, were from foreigners and their companies in places like China, Romania, Ukraine, Russia, and Mexico. So the fear is uh, that these payments to Joe Biden's family members mean that it it just wasn't them who cashed out on their last name. Rather, that Joe Biden, too, directly profited from those deals, albeit secretly. Or that Mr. Biden took that money to then change or influence U.S. policy. Now, to be clear, none of the reports that were issued yesterday or none of those bank records absolutely proved such about Mr. Joe Biden. In other words, there was no smoking gun of Joe Biden taking foreign cash or changing U.S. policy because of it. And because of that lack of a smoking gun, the White House responded to these accusations yesterday as, quote, baseless innuendo, end quote. The same sentiment was expressed by Mr. Biden's son, Hunter, whose attorney said, quote, Today's so-called revelations are retread, repackaged misstatements of perfectly proper meetings and proper business activity by private citizens, end quote. Meanwhile, Democrats on Capitol Hill echoed these same talking points. Democrat Representative Jamie Raskin said, quote, the Republicans have failed to provide factual evidence to support their wild accusations about the president, end quote. All right. So who is Right. Do we have a compromised president with an influence peddling family? Or is this all just some sort of witch hunt by Republicans? Well, let's explore what we know. And we are going to look at a few things. First, we will consider this report issued yesterday and the bank records included in it. Second, we'll also consider what we know from the Hunter Biden laptop, which was accidentally abandoned years ago by Hunter Biden himself at a local repair shop in Delaware. 
And on that laptop, as most of us may recall or know, there are documents and emails and voicemails about the Biden family businesses. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, we will consider statements made by Joe Biden himself of what he has said that he knows to be true about his family's businesses abroad. And with all of that compiled together, you can make up your own mind about what to think of it all. Now, I will offer up my analysis and opinion, too, but I'm going to do so based on how I know that the CIA would react and investigate if these facts were known to be true about a CIA officer. All right, so let's get to it. And let's actually start with what I would argue to be perhaps the most important set of facts about this case. And that is what Joe Biden has said or claimed about both his family's foreign business deals and most critically, his knowledge of these deals. All right. So we go back to the year 2019 while Mr. Biden was campaigning for the presidency in Iowa. And he was asked about how many times he had spoken with his son, Hunter, about his overseas business deals. To which Mr. Biden said, quote, I have never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings, end quote. And then, by the way, he scolded the reporter for asking such a silly question. Okay. next, in October of 2020, Mr. Biden was debating then President Donald Trump in the run up to the election. And the moderator of the debate asked Mr. Biden about his family's foreign business dealings, specifically Hunter Biden's businesses in China. To which Joe Biden said, quote, my son has not made money with this thing about China. The only guy that made money from China is President Trump, end quote. All right. Third, in April of 2022, Mr. Biden's chief of staff, a fellow named Ron Klain, was on ABC's uh, news program called This Week. And he was asked about the Biden family foreign business dealings, to which he said, quote, these are actions by Hunter and Joe Biden's brother. They're private matters. They don't involve the president, end quote. All right. So in other words, folks, the White House and Mr. Biden have been very consistent and very clear in publicly asserting three things. First, that Joe Biden has never spoken to his son, Hunter, about any of his foreign business deals. Second, that his son never made any money in China. And third, whatever deals have been done by the Biden family, They didn't and don't involve or even benefit Joe Biden. Okay, so let's ask, is that true? Are these three assertions true? Well, unfortunately for the White House, two of those three things are certainly and unquestionably not true. In fact, we know that Joe Biden has spoken with his son, Hunter, about foreign business deals and that those conversations include making money in China. And we know that because Joe Biden himself said it, although not in an interview. He said it in a voicemail that Mr. Biden left his son, Hunter. So let's talk about that. On December 12th of 2018, Joe Biden placed a call to his son, Hunter. It went to voicemail and that was stored on both his phone and a backup copy on his laptop. And that laptop was the one that was later abandoned at the repair shop in Delaware. Well, Joe Biden made that call that night and left that voicemail because he had been tipped off about an article that was set to run the next day in the New York Times. It was all about the Biden family and their business connections to China. It was entitled, A Chinese Tycoon Sought Power and Influence, Washington Responded. Well, Joe Biden called his son that night after he got a hold of that article, and here is what he said 
in that voicemail to his son. Quote, hey, pal, it's dad. It's 815 on Wednesday night. If you get a chance, just give me a call. Nothing urgent. I just wanted to talk with you. I thought that the article released online, it's going to be printed tomorrow in the Times. It was good. I think you are in the clear. And anyway, if you get a chance, give me a call. End quote. By the way, you can listen to that voicemail yourself if you would like. Search for the headline entitled, Joe Biden knew about Hunter's Chinese business dealings, voicemail reveals. All right. So that one voicemail, ladies and gentlemen, proves that Joe Biden was and is lying about two things. All right. He spoke with his son about foreign business deals, and he very much knew that Hunter was making money in China. But look, there is more evidence beyond that. So, for instance, we have emails confirming Hunter's business partners met with then Vice President Biden in, say, New York City, all to talk about business in Romania. That's just one example. Meanwhile, we also have other emails and photos and, in fact, White House visitor logs that show that Joe Biden met with at least 14 of Hunter's business partners, whether that be at the White House, at the vice president's home or at area restaurants and golf courses. Right? The point, ladies and gentlemen, is that we have an abundance of proof that Mr. Biden, for whatever reason, continues to lie about two things. Right? He claims that he never talked to his son about his foreign business deals. That is a confirmed lie. And second, that Hunter never made any money in China. And that is a confirmed lie. Right? But there's this third issue that as is, frankly, at the heart of the investigation being conducted by the Republicans on Capitol Hill. And frankly, it's, it's one that we all should be thinking about. And that is this. Did these foreign business deals by Hunter or any other family member benefit Joe Biden directly? Because that's very important. If so, it would help explain why Mr. Biden keeps lying about his knowledge of these deals. And second, it might help us understand whether we have a compromised commander in chief sitting in the White House this morning, either because he is corrupt or he is making decisions that benefit foreign nations because, well, they paid him to. All right. So what proof then is there that Joe Biden himself has benefited from his family's deals that, well, he's lying about? Well, there is one very important piece of information that we should remember. On that infamous Hunter Biden laptop, it showed an email that Joe Biden, who was referred to and identified as the big guy, would get a 10% cut of a business deal between Hunter Biden and the Chinese energy firm CEFC, right? So that connection between Joe Biden and him being the big guy, that was confirmed by former Hunter Biden business partner, Tony Bobolinsky. But what about the report issued yesterday by the Republicans? Was there any direct proof there of Joe Biden taking foreign cash? Well, the short answer is no. There was no smoking gun uh, that directly showed that Joe Biden personally profited from any of these foreign business deals. Instead, what we've got, ladies and gentlemen, is a 36-page report of bank records showing that at least nine members of the Biden family, including Joe's brother, his son Hunter, various wives, fiancés, and three grandchildren, they all directly benefited from foreign business deals, which amounted, by the way, to 10 million bucks in cash. So the Republicans, what they're basically arguing is that the Biden family set up over a dozen companies to facilitate these deals. And that is very strange. 
In fact, their belief is that these were shell companies designed to hide the ultimate source of payment. But again, to just emphasize, these records from yesterday's report don't confirm one way or the other whether or how much Joe Biden benefited or whether he helped change or alter U.S. policy because of all that foreign cash. So but what they're saying, though, instead, Republicans are arguing that these bank records and these shell companies, well, it leads a reasonable person to conclude that Joe Biden almost certainly had direct or indirect knowledge of and then indeed benefited from these business deals. Right. His family, ladies and gentlemen, the argument goes, was acting as a set of cutouts, taking the cash for him, just like they did with that big guy deal with the Chinese energy firm. Right? And that helps explain why Joe Biden lies about this issue so often and so consistently. It also, I think, helps explain why Republicans yesterday pleaded with the Department of Justice to investigate as well. So this wouldn't be viewed as simply a partisan exercise or investigation. In fact, one representative, Nancy Mace of South Carolina, implored the Department of Justice to, quote, get off its backside and investigate We've done the work for them, so now they can't screw it up, end quote. Okay, so there's a little sass there, but the point is these folks really want the Department of Justice to step up and do their jobs. Well, regardless, if they don't, the Republicans in the House who were, uh, released that report yesterday said that they will continue to investigate on their own, calling what they've done so far, quote, just the beginning, end quote. All right, so those are the facts and the data this morning. What do you think about all that? Well, to help you process whatever it is you ultimately think, I would encourage you to think like a CIA officer for just a second. I want you folks to imagine that you are an investigator for the CIA hunting for a mole. Right? Those are CIA officers who are secretly working for, say, the, the Chinese or the Russians. Right? They're traitors. Well, imagine knowing these facts that we just discussed this morning, right? Imagine that you have a CIA officer who has nine family members or more who have set up a series of companies to take foreign cash from people in, well, China and Russia and places beyond. And when you ask the CIA officer about this, he says that he has no idea what you're talking about. He says he's never spoken to any of his nine family members about any of it. Plus, he says that he knows that none have ever taken any cash from China. But then you get a tip from the FBI and the NSA, right? It's a captured phone call from your CIA officer to his son. And the officer left a voicemail talking about foreign business deals, including in China. So based on that one captured phone call showing that the CIA officer is lying to you, Right? What do you think about that officer? Right? Do you think that you might just have a counterintelligence problem? Folks, do you think, based on that, that you might have grounds to conduct an investigation? And do you think that you would want that CIA officer involved in, say, ongoing top-secret operations involving some of America's most sensitive, critical information? Well, as you reflect on all those questions, what I will tell you based on my experience is that if you give me those details and that scenario, I would immediately call security. We would find that officer. We would take his badge. We would escort him to his vehicle, and we would follow him out the front gate, and he would never return. 
All right. I would then conduct what's called a damage assessment of every single case that that CIA officer had touched or had known about. And I'll tell you, as I did all of that, I would contact and coordinate an investigation with the Department of Justice and other members of the intelligence community. And I would do all of that, ladies and gentlemen, on an immediate basis because of the reasonable assumption that I would bet that I had a CIA officer who was a national security risk at a bare minimum, and that we could reasonably assume that his lies were designed to cover up a crime, perhaps the crime of treason. And I say that irrespective of whether that CIA officer was a Republican or a Democrat or conservative or liberal or black or white or whatever, right? The facts tell me that we have a national security nightmare and frankly, a traitor on our hands. So that's how I am processing this ongoing story, ladies and gentlemen. But I will continue to bring you the facts as I learn them, irrespective of what I think, and then let you decide. But to be clear, this is a big and very important story, and it deserves your attention, no matter if you like Joe Biden or not. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Now, most of you likely won't hear any ads over the next few minutes, so enjoy this ad-free experience, and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report, ladies and gentlemen. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards America's southern border. I think it is fair to say that today and tomorrow will be ones for the history books. And that's because the immigration policy Title 42 is being abandoned, set aside, whatever words you want to use, all by the White House in favor of other policies. The Biden administration says that they're adopting a range of new policies and procedures, in fact, and we're going to explore those probably tomorrow or early next week. But what's clear is that nobody at the White House is really sure what is going to happen next, other than it is going to be very bad. And we know that because on Tuesday, Time magazine reported that Mr. Biden was asked about Title 42 expiring and what the nation should expect, to which he replied, quote, it remains to be seen, end quote, saying that he was doing all that he could, but that, quote, it's going to be chaotic for a while, end quote. All right, well, that probably helps explain this. A poll from the Washington Post and ABC News shows that Mr. Biden has the lowest approval rating of any first-term president ever in American history. Right? That number stands at 36%. Now, there are a variety of reasons for those low marks, but this one stands out as flagged by Reuters News Service. Only 26% of Americans approve of how Mr. Biden is handling the issue of immigration. So as Mr. Biden anticipates chaos for a while on the southern border, I wanted to bring you one tool that some uh, folks in Washington, D.C. are saying could be helpful in dealing with this, well, avalanche of illegal migrants, although it would come with a cost. And that tool, ladies and gentlemen, is something called E-Verify. And here's how it works, as reported by the U.S. government and a recent piece in Forbes magazine. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security operates a system, it's a website, that allows employers to confirm the immigration status of their employees. Now, participation in that program started off as voluntary back in 1996, but since then, it's grown to 22 states and applies to all federal agencies and federal contractors. 
Although I, I should say, of the 22 states that use it, only nine require it for all employers in their state. The rest use it only to verify the immigration status of some public employees. So let's talk about the pros and the cons of this E-Verify system, because there are bills in the House and the Senate demanding that all employers in the entire United States use it and obviously fire those people whose immigration status can't be determined or they are determined to be here illegally. So proponents say that this national E-Verify system would be a very important tool to counteract sanctuary cities. In other words, it creates a national disincentive for when prospective illegal migrants are thinking about coming to the U.S. Right? They know that they couldn't get work, which is a major motivation for most illegals, depending on the year and the country. Plus, at least according to the proponents, a national E-Verify system would probably lead to some, many perhaps, illegal migrants to leave the United States and go back home because they couldn't get any work. In other words, future migrants wouldn't want to come and the existing ones would want to go home. Well, critics politely disagree. They say, first of all, it is immoral or even racist to ban people from getting work. Plus, illegal migrants would almost certainly still come to the U.S. all because those sanctuary cities would still give them free, well, stuff like free housing and free food and free medical care. And yet they would be here without being able to work. In other words, they would become a class of freeloaders. Finally, other critics might say that, well, it would impact the farming and ranching communities, too, because they rely on cheap labor that is mostly or predominantly illegal. In fact, that's the argument being made by Republican representatives like Thomas Massey of Kentucky and Senator Mike Simpson of Idaho. Then finally, this is interesting, a 2009 audit found that about 54% of illegal migrants cheated in this E-Verify system by submitting another person's documentation. Either they borrowed it or they just flat out stole it. So I flag this for you, ladies and gentlemen, because I suspect that we are going to be hearing more about this E-Verify system. And that's because with tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of illegals pouring across the border in the coming days and months, Governors and federal policymakers alike are going to be scrambling for solutions to give something to voters. And there will be debate about whether a national E-Verify system should be one of those solutions. So let me ask you, what do you think about this? Email me on my website, briandeanwright.com. Go to that contact page and drop me a note. Tell me what you think about a national E-Verify system. All right, finally, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, we are going to talk about health, specifically about a study confirming the very, very keen importance of losing weight and staying lean as we grow older, as that will help determine if you or I or anyone gets colon or other gastrointestinal cancers. So here is what we are learning this morning, all from a study published yesterday in the journal JAMA Network. Right, researchers at Ohio State University's Comprehensive Cancer Center set out to understand the risks of colorectal cancer as people get older and how that is or isn't connected to obesity rates. So as they started this study, they actually began with a pretty impressive data set, 131,000 patients with information collected over eight years. And they looked at obesity rates for those folks age 20, age 50, and those over the age of 55. 
And what they found was this. Obesity rates at each of those ages suggested a higher prevalence of gastrointestinal cancers, both in general and later in life. In fact, the more weight that someone puts on over the course of their life, the greater the cancer risk. Now, the exact cause is unclear, but the hypothesis is that the extra fat causes increased inflammation and immune cell dysfunction. And both of those things are known to lead to diseases of all kinds, including cancer. So as ever, modest exercise and a good diet is the key to good health. Nothing shocking about that, I suppose, but always good to be reminded and inspired to just get out there and get moving. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break, which will almost certainly be ad-free for now. And we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. At about 11 a.m. Pacific time, you might hear a cry of celebration in the air. And if so, that's me. And that's because we will accomplish a pretty big goal here at The Right Report. All right, the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, will officially have 500,000 downloads since we launched just five weeks ago. Now, to explain why that is such a big deal and, frankly, why you get credit, let me tell you something that you might not know. All right, data show that 99% of podcasts have fewer than 5,000 downloads in a day. In fact, most have less than 1,000 a day. So to get to the point where this podcast and its episodes have been listened to for 500,000 times and growing, well, for most podcasts, that takes upwards of nine months to maybe even a couple of years, but we got there in five little weeks. And when I say we, by the way, I mean mostly you. Okay, and a tiny bit me and a little bit my sound editor, Eric, who, bless his heart, does great work. But mostly it's you, and that's for two reasons. First, you are coming back every day and listening to each show. Now, some days we have a little bit of technical glitches and problems, which by the way, I think I have ironed out. But in the meantime, you all are just loyal and you keep coming back. And I believe ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, that's because I work so hard to bring you value with each and every episode. And I think you all hear that. Second, we are growing like a bunch of little weeds here at The Right Report because you're telling people about that value that you get each and every morning. And I know, folks, that you are sending emails to friends and family or you are posting things on Facebook and Twitter or you mentioned in casual conversations that, again, you get value. And you know what? They should get some value too. Listen each morning. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is it's just so humbling. Thank you. Now, one other cool thing that I wanted to tell you about. So this podcast is popular amongst parents who are homeschooling their kids. Right? They use it for social studies and politics, which I think is just so great. And I'm, again, so honored. All right, with that, I've got two quick requests. First, I would be so grateful if you would continue to tell folks to give this podcast a listen. Right? It just means the world to me. Second, in the coming week or maybe two I'm going to ask you all to fill out a survey so that I can learn more about you, right? So for instance, where in the country you are, what, if anything, you do for a living, and if you like certain things or dislike certain things about the show. Plus, I would love to learn like, well, your hobbies or general interests, maybe even places in the world that you want to know more about. And that will be so important for me to improve and grow this show and ultimately the value that I offer you, right? It's going to make the news and the right report stronger. 
And eventually, when I offer up my first ads, right, those products and services will be all the more relevant and impactful in your lives. So bottom line, thank you. Sincerely and truly, it is a cliche to say, but I honestly could not do this without you, right? Your loyalty for me and your patience with me are just so honored. And I'll tell you, if we have done this well so far over the past five weeks with 500,000 downloads, I cannot wait to see what we are going to do over the next five weeks. So let's get going. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.